Good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to say we miss you so much. We miss having church together so much. Miss having this moment of worship for those of us who are here. It's never the same thing being in worship together here as watching on, on video or on your phones, on your screens. Um, but we look forward to soon, hopefully, being together again. Um, well, this week was a very happy week for Ruben and I and for our family. Just yesterday, um, Teher, my oldest sister, can we put the mic a little bit down? I'm hearing some feedback here. Thank you. Um, yeah, yesterday, my oldest sister, Teher, she gave birth to her third son. So it was actually crazy because I was with her and um, she's been wanting, to, she's been saying that the baby's going to be born like at 35 weeks, which for those of you who don't know, baby's only supposed to be born as of 39 weeks. So I just thought yesterday she was uh, being Teher again, saying, oh, baby's going to be born and we're having lunch. And next thing, she's at the hospital and baby's just born. So yesterday, Benjamin was born and he's the sixth grandson in the family. Um, so that's exciting. Also a little bit uh, nerve-wracking because this means that I'm next now. <laughs> but I'm um, very happy for our family. Also, Ruben and I, we had our second ultrasound this week. And um, we walk into the doctor's office and he, he, he starts doing the ultrasound. sees that the lungs are okay, the heart's okay, the spine's okay, everything's okay. And then he goes, and do you want to know what the baby is? And we go, yeah, please. Actually, I was going to wait till the birth, but um, then Ruben convinced me and I, I couldn't wait. So he said, yeah, we want to know. And he said, well, you better brace yourselves because you have another girl coming on the way. So uh, we were very happy to know that we have, we're going to have two girls. I honestly never imagined myself being a mom of girls. I mean, I grew up doing sports and going outside and doing all kinds of adventures, but I'm going to do that with my girls. Even just saying that my girls <laughs> makes me super emotional. I am pregnant, but I'm super happy and we're very happy. So we wanted to share the news with you. There's another girl on the way. Um, but on another positive note, something that I think is very um, also happy news is that we've endured this lockdown together and hopefully the worst is behind us. Hopefully in March at some point the government's going to come out with a deconfinement plan and things will start to ease up and hopefully soon with all the sunshine and with all the spring and a promise of new beginnings we'll be able to start slowly getting back to our normal routines and what we consider our normal life again. Um, but <clears throat> this week as a step to towards deconfinement, the government opened up the boardwalks by the beach. And Ruben and I, we live about 10 minutes away from the beach in Krikavelus and um, that, that whole area near the Kashkaj area. Um, so we were able to go and walk by the beach, and it's just so renewing. It's so nice to be able to be by the ocean again and, and walk. And um, we also live sort of close to Sintra, and so we're able to go into that foresty area and just last week we went for a walk with Jade we were not prepared for all the mud we were going to encounter and the joy that Jade was going to feel in getting completely dirty our car was not prepared for that um, but it was just so nice to go outside and to walk and whether it's in nature or whether it's not um, whether you're just in the city I really encourage you to go for walks 
I was, I was uh, reading a study recently um, that says that actually going for a walk, if it's like right before a meeting especially or in the middle of your busy day at work, if you go for a walk, it actually increases your creativity and your productivity. It actually, I don't know the percentage right now, but they've done some studies that your, your productivity and your meetings will actually be increased if you go for a walk. So definitely do that. But I think, and I'm curious <coughs> to know, how many of you... Um, have become walkers during COVID. I mean, we couldn't go to the gym. We couldn't do sports together. So how many of you, just write that in the comments, if during COVID you have walked more than you did before? So I think it's interesting. I mean, Ruben and I, we became walkers <laughs> during this pandemic. We go and we just walk around our block. We didn't know our block before. I mean, we lived there for like three years. We didn't really know our neighborhood. Now we know every street. We know every dog that barks. <laughs> we, know, we know our neighborhood more than we did before because we've started going for walks. And, and I find that interesting because before COVID, we wouldn't have even considered going for a walk. I mean, much less in the morning or in the middle of our workday because we were so busy. We were so busy with our work lives and busy with our social lives and our studies and everything going on that we couldn't even consider the time of going for a walk. In fact, um, if it, our schedules were so filled up that when we'd meet together on a Sunday and you'd ask somebody, oh, how are you and, and how was your week? Usually, the cliche answer would be, Oh, it was good. It was busy. I was busy. And that's the answer you would always get. And so much that my friend and I, my flatmate and I, when, we lived in, when I lived in Scotland, um, we made it a point to never give this answer busy. It's just we found that it was such a superficial answer. It was such a, like, conversation stopper <laughs> of just, yeah, I was busy. Don't ask me anymore. <laughs> and, and not only that, but we would go the extra mile. We would try to ask questions to people that would not allow them to give this answer busy. And actually, this same flatmate, she called me a couple weeks ago. She called me out of the blue. We hadn't talked in like two years. And she calls me one day, and we start talking, and we start catching up. And I'm giving Jade a bath, and I was very happy that she had called me. And we, she lives in Finland now. And so we're talking about just everything going on. And so I'm multitasking. Jade is not drowning. She's okay. And she's playing with her toys. And I'm on the phone here FaceTiming with my friend. And I'm telling her all about church and what it's like to pastor Riverside Lisbon and I'm telling her about the Lisbon project I'm telling her about the baby that's on the way in our growing family you know I'm telling her about just how busy my life is and and all the amazing busyness and then all of a sudden the call goes quiet and next thing she asks me but how is your heart and I look at her like oh, I remember this was one of the questions we would ask in other words, she goes, I'm so glad about church and I'm so glad about the Lisbon Project and your growing family and how busy you are. But underneath all of that, how is your heart? How are you doing? And the question caught me off guard and, and suddenly I missed my friend and I missed the conversations that we used to have. Because here is someone that confronts me with the real question. Probably the most important question. How is my heart? See, how many of us ever stop to ask this question of ourselves? And yes, we're in lockdown, and yes, things are not like they used to be, but I find that we are experts at becoming busy. Even when we're stuck at home and we can't do much, we are so good at getting ourselves busy. 
You see, for Reuben and I, the week usually starts on a Monday. And Monday is our days off. They call it St. Pastor's Day. <laughs> and so Monday is the day that we focus on our health. We focus on the errands that we have to do. We focus on spending time together. Jay doesn't go to school on Mondays, and so we try to have intentional time with her. And so Monday is probably the day that I will drink the most water because, you know, I should drink water, but I'm terrible at drinking water. But Monday, I don't have other distractions, and so I'm drinking water on a Monday. And then Tuesday, Tuesday is work day. Tuesday is the day that starts with a team devotional, and then we get into the management meeting. And Tuesday, I need to get ready. I need to have my notebook. I need to have my computer. I need to have things ready because this week I need to manage my team, and I need to make sure that everybody knows what their goals are. Everybody knows what their priorities are. And then in the afternoon, we have the staff meeting for the church, and we need to start planning for Sunday and making sure that the church is okay and that everybody has what they need. And then and then Wednesday comes around, and by this time, Jade has already probably ruined all the clothes she had at school, probably is missing diapers and, and wipes and things, and so we need to make sure that we have her backpack ready. And so on Wednesday, we're making sure that Jade has everything that she needs to, to go to school. For those of you who are just listening, you can't see what I'm doing right now, um, but you'll get the point. Um, and so Wednesday, we need to make sure that Jade has everything that she needs. And then by Thursday... Our car has probably broken down. <laughs> Ruben and I have two cars, and one is always in the shop because we just have that kind of luck with cars. We've decided that probably in 2022, we are going to start cycling and just be a cycling family. <laughs> but by Thursday, probably one of our cars has broken down, and so we need to make sure that we call the shop. Just last week, we had to tow our car, and so we need to make sure that we're calling to, to, to make sure that the car is going to the shop, that we get it fixed. And then Friday, Friday is the day that Ruben and I message prep. One of us will be preaching, maybe in Lisbon, maybe in Kashkaj. One of us might be on the worship team. And so we need to make sure that we, I'm just going to have my microphone for that. And we, we start prepping our message and writing and studying and making sure that we're ready for Friday. And then Saturday, well, Saturday, our fridge is probably empty. And so <laughs> we need to get our wallets and make sure that we're on our way to the store and that we, we, we fill up the fridge because the next week we're going to do this all over again and all this busyness again. And then Sunday, Sunday is fun day. Sunday is the day that we come to church. Sunday is the day that we're going to worship with, with everyone from church and we're going to come to God and we're going to sing songs to the Lord, songs like... God, I'll stand with my arms high and heart abandoned. Or we're going to sing like, my heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. I am open. And meanwhile, we're everything but open. <laughs> meanwhile, I can't even stretch my hands because I have so many things going on in my life. I have so many distractions. I have so many responsibilities. I have so many tasks that I'm thinking about the past week and the week that is coming that my heart is not open. I'm declaring that, that I want to stretch out my hands. I'm declaring that I want to receive from God. I'm speaking to a God that has given up everything for me. Meanwhile, I'm holding on to everything in my life. You see, this is what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. See, Jesus gave up everything. Jesus gave up his status. Jesus gave up his prestige. Jesus gave up his wealth, his riches, his comfort. Jesus gave up his reputation. He gave up everything so that you and I could be restored to him, so that our relationship could be restored for the glory of God. And so as Riverside Lisbon, we have decided to enter a season called Lent. And maybe some of you have heard about Lent, and maybe to some of you it's something new, and I'll explain more what the season is all about. But we've decided to observe Lent this year with one goal in mind, to put down all the distractions, to put down all the busyness in our lives, to put down everything else that, not necessarily bad things, not necessarily things that are negative or that don't please God. It's just things that are, keep us busy and keep our minds not focused on Jesus Christ. And so we're going to enter a time as a church, and we're going to explain what this is. And we're going to challenge you. Let's enter this season together with one goal in mind, to focus on who he is and what he has done for us. So what is Lent? Lent refers to the 40 days before Easter. Usually we hear of Catholics and other Christian denominations observing this season, maybe Lutherans or Anglicans, Presbyterians. We've actually never celebrated or observed Lent at Riverside Lisbon before because we don't actually see this practice in the Bible. But it's important to know how it began and what its intention is. The early Christians felt that the importance of Jesus' death and resurrection, or what we call Easter nowadays, was so important that they couldn't just fly by it. They couldn't just live their lives as normal and just pass by this, this moment of such significance as if it didn't really matter. And so basically they started 40 days before the death and resurrection of Jesus, they, they started this tradition of spiritually preparing their hearts, of going into a, 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 a season of prayer and fasting so that they could focus on what Jesus' sacrifice really means for us and what his resurrection means for our lives. So while Lent itself is not in the word of God, prayer and fasting most certainly is. And the 40 days of Lent, they are a beautiful metaphor to the 40 years that the Israelites spent wandering in the desert and to the 40 days that Jesus spent also praying and fasting in the desert. These were times of great testing. In fact, in both of these examples, the Bible says that it was God who led them into the desert. It was God who led the Israelites and Jesus into a place that is barren, it's quiet, it's lonely. And this is what we read in Deuteronomy after the 40 years of wandering in the desert, right before the Israelites are going into the promised land. It says in Deuteronomy 8.2, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. See, the desert place is a place for God to quiet us down and ask the question, how is your heart? If God were to see inside your heart today, if God was to take all the busyness away, all the distractions away, if God was to see straight into your heart today, what would he find? 
You see, Lent is all about creating space in our hearts for God to speak. Creating space in our hearts for God to reveal himself to us. Creating space in our hearts, quieting ourselves down, quieting our own goals, our own priorities, our own wills, so that we can hear the voice of God and what he wants for our lives. Now, technically, Lent started on February 17th, so um, we are about three weeks late into this. But the point, that just shows you that the point is not to adhere to some strict religious tradition. The point is to invest into a personal relationship with God. Now, I know that some of you hear me say the word fasting, and immediately you're scared already. (laughs) To be honest, I am not a big fan of fasting. I am a big fan of eating. Um, If you know me, I will be the person that I wake up, and within 10 minutes, I'm in the kitchen, because breaking fast at breakfast is the best thing for me, (laughs) the the best part about fasting. So actually, when Ruben said we were going to observe Lent this year and that I was going to introduce the series, I was a little nervous because um, fasting is not something, to be honest, that is very much a part of my faith and my Christianity. But after studying what the Bible says about fasting, after studying what Jesus expected um, for us in fasting, I was so inspired to enter this season with you. I was so excited to enter this season because I understand the benefits. I now understand what God can do in the power of putting aside the distractions to focus solely on God. So I hope that you will be inspired in this season as well. But I want to explain to you what is fasting and what the Bible says about fasting. So John Piper, he's a famous contemporary theologian, he defines fasting as this. Fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that is in itself good, like food, for example. Like I said, it doesn't have to be something bad. Like food, for example, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. In other words, fasting isn't only only about neglecting something or denying ourselves of something. It's about replacing it with a feeling of something better, of Jesus Christ himself, the best thing that we have in life. And defined in this way, fasting is not an explicit command in the Bible. We don't see in the New Testament, we don't see in the Bible that, that we have to fast as Christians. Fasting doesn't have the same place in Christianity that it does, for example, in Islam. The fasting that Muslims do during the month of Ramadan is a requirement for every Muslim. You can't say, um, I'm a Muslim, and I'm just going to skip Ramadan this year. (laughs) You, You just can't do that. The Quran is explicit that every Muslim should fast, and there's exceptions for, for those who, who can't fast if they're sick or they have some sort of condition, but they actually have to make up for those days later. And so with Christianity, that is not the place that fasting has. It's not mandatory in the Bible. And while there is no command in the New Testament... We read that fasting is encouraged. And actually, we read that Jesus expected Christians to fast. So what is it? What is it meant to be? What is fasting meant to be in the lives of Christians in March 2021? And I'm going to give us three points of what fasting is meant to be for us as a church today and as a Christ follower today. So number one, fasting is personal. 
Jesus was talking to his disciples one day, and this is what he says to them. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Note here that Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, he says, when you fast. In other words, Jesus expected fasting to be part of our everyday lives. He expected Christians to fast in their relationship with God. He says, when you fast. And then he goes on and he explains how we should fast. He says, don't make a public display about it. You see, in those times, you had religious leaders in those times and these times, but Jesus is referring to those times, so we'll stick with that. But in those times, we had religious leaders who, who would make a point to make sure that everybody knew they were fasting. Everyone knew how hungry they were. Everyone had to know how much they were sacrificing for the Lord, how much they were giving up in order to earn the, 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 the approval of God. And yet Jesus says, that is the last thing that I want you to do. Jesus says, when you fast, don't do it to impress anyone. Don't do it for the motivation of letting other people know how self-righteous you are. That is the last thing that I want you to do. He says, in fact, go out of your way to keep people from knowing that you're fasting. Because it's not about anyone else. The choice to fast, the choice to seek God through fasting is not about anyone else. It's about your heart and God. It's about your relationship with Jesus. It's not a religious pursuit to earn anything from God. We don't fast because we're trying to earn the approval of God. We don't fast because we're trying to earn extra points with God. We don't fast because if we do, somehow we're going to go to heaven quicker than other people. We don't fast for the approval of God. It's a decision to intentionally enter into the presence of God. Again, putting down all the other things and saying, no, I'm going to be intentional with my time. I'm going to be intentional with my heart. I'm going to be intentional with my life to enter the presence of God in a way that is unique, in a way that is special, so that the presence of God may speak to me, so that the presence of God may overcome me, so that the presence of God may heal me in and through his unfailing love. Fasting is personal. And number two, fasting is a reminder that Jesus is the bread of life. You see, when we give up food, we allow our physical hunger to be a reflection of our spiritual hunger for God. You see, when you're hungry, the way that you satisfy your hunger is you go into the kitchen or you go onto your Uber Eats app and you order some hopefully nutritious food to satisfy your hunger. And in the same way as our physical hunger needs to be satisfied, that's a reflection of how our spiritual hunger needs to be satisfied. By digging into the word of God. By spending time praying and worshiping God. See, God wants us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is what it says. Jesus said in, in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. More than food can sustain your body, God is the source of life that supplies for all of your needs, body, soul, and spirit. 
And so fasting is a reminder that it's not just your work or your job that pays for your bills. It's not your effort that keeps you healthy or that provides for your needs. It is God himself who is the provider of all things in your life. He supersedes any need for food. He is our lifeline. Jesus says in John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, when we fast, especially when we fast food, we quickly become hungry, and eventually we start to feel weak. If you're like me, you become hungry very fast. (laughs) And so by intentionally putting ourselves in this situation, by intentionally denying food and and neglecting food for a temporary time, we, we put ourselves in this situation and we are reminded how in the same way that when we neglect food we become weak when we neglect the nourishment of God through his word and through prayer and through worship we also become weak we become spiritually weak we become discouraged we become vulnerable we become we become distant from God when we neglect the nourishment of his presence Here's the thing, as I said earlier, fasting is not meant to just be the neglecting of something. It's meant to be the replacing of something greater. The replacing of Jesus in your life. So if you're giving up food, then use that time that you would be preparing your dinner or your lunch. Or or use the time that you would be eating to get into the word of God. To spend time with him. To worship his name. See, if you're fasting and you're not seeking God, or if you're fasting and your prayer life is not affected, then you're not fasting, you're just dieting. So in the next few weeks, we are going to enter a season of fasting as a church, which we encourage you to join us in. And we're going to fast different things in our lives. In the first week, this week, we're going to fast food. Um, We're not going to just eat fast food. We're going to give up food. (laughs) Um, And then in the next week, we're going to give up social media. And then in the week after that, we're going to give up Netflix and movies and entertainment. And we're going to go through different things of, of fasting. But at the end of the day, whatever you do, make sure that you are seeking the presence of God. We want our prayer life to be changed. We want our hearts to be transformed. We want our hearts to be filled and to be encouraged. And we want God to test our hearts. We want God to see what's in our hearts and to take away the things that are not from him and to fill us up with life and with living water. We want less of us and more of God. He is the bread of life. And number three, fasting is positioning yourselves. See, most everyday questions that we are confronted with in life, they don't have explicit answers in the Bible. I mean, what you're going to wear or who you're going to marry or the Bible doesn't say, Tosin, you are going to marry Elizabeth. <laughs> there is no explicit answer for these kind of questions. I think about the Lisbon Project and about church and all the questions that we have leading it. Oh, God, uh, who are we going to appoint as leadership? God, what message series should we go into? Or, or in the Lisbon Project, God, where is the money coming from? Where does it say in Luke chapter 3 where God is going to provide for the Lisbon Project? <laughs> There's no explicit answers in the Bible. And yet we know and we believe that God can still speak to us in a way that is clear and that is loud so that we can know where he is guiding and where he is leading. 
See, there's a moment in the Bible where the church was just forming itself and they had no idea how to move forward. Jesus had said, he had given them the great commission. He said, go into all the world, making, bap- making <laughs> disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I have commanded. But he didn't give a step-by-step instruction manual. And so the church, they were together and they were full of passion for Jesus. And, and you had all these men and women who, who wanted to serve God but they didn't really know okay but what's the next step Jesus could have been a little more clear and so this is what they decided to do we read in Acts chapter 13 now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon called Niger Lucius of Cyrene Manaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This was a pivotal moment in the history of our faith. They were passionate about Jesus, but they didn't know what to do. So together they decided to pray and to fast. Notice that that the author makes it a point, makes it a point to emphasize that they prayed and they fasted. And then God spoke. They prayed and they fasted. And then they acted. They didn't have a brainstorming meeting. They didn't call in advisors or consultants. They didn't um, draft up a plan. They simply positioned their hearts in order to hear from the Holy Spirit. And he was faithful to speak. You see, this moment of prayer and fasting started a missions movement that brought Christianity to the entire world. It is the reason that we have our faith today. 13 out of the 29 books of the New Testament were a result of the ministry that was launched in this moment of prayer and fasting. And so you may ask, Do I really have to fast? When the question really is, are you ready for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? So often we're waiting for God to guide us and to speak to us and and to tell us what to do. Meanwhile, God is waiting on us to pray and to seek his voice. There is an assignment on your life. God wants to use you for his glory in the same way that he used Paul and Barnabas. And if God chose prayer and fasting as a foundational launch in such an important moment for the church back then, then I fully believe that he is still pleased when his children intentionally decide to position their hearts through prayer and fasting. In the next few weeks, we are going to allow God to lead us into the desert where it's barren and it's quiet and perhaps lonely, so that he can speak to us and reveal his will for our lives. We want God to have our full attention. We want to hear from him. 
We want to be transformed by him. And if God chose prayer and fasting to launch the Christian movement back then, then who knows? God might just use prayer and fasting to launch you into the will that he has for your life, to launch you into a profession you never thought you would get in, to launch you into ministry and into using the gifts and the talents that he's put inside of your heart. God might just use prayer and fasting as a pivotal moment that will transform your life because you have decided to intentionally enter his presence, to put down yourself and to give more to God so that he can fill you with his life. So we have about four weeks until Easter. And each week we're going to fast something different, like I said. Now I want to be clear that this is not mandatory. This week we're going to fast, give up food, and it's just, it's an, it's an exercise, a spiritual discipline that we are encouraging you to do. But like I said, fasting is personal. And so fast at your own space, at your own pace, your own rhythm. This week, maybe some of you will give up two meals a day. Maybe some of you will give up one meal a day. Or maybe others will just give up a specific food in your life or in your diet. I remember the first time that I ever did Lent. And let me just tell you, that was the first and the last time that I ever did Lent, at least until now. And I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this Lent thing. I didn't do too much studying about it. I just knew that people gave up stuff at Lent. So um, let me try that. And so um, I decided to give up the three vitals in my everyday. I was giving up caffeine. I was giving up chewing gum. Back then, I always had bubble gum in my mouth <laughs> at every, every hour of the day. There was gum packs in my, in my bags and my coats and everything around me. And so I decided I'm going to give up caffeine, chewing gum, and chocolate. Three vitals I'm giving up for Lent. And uh, I didn't get very far, at least not with coffee. I was a student in university working a full-time job and entering the exam period. And so uh, I was pretty much <laughs> falling asleep while trying to study. And I decided, this isn't working out for me. I'm not going to give up coffee. And so I started drinking coffee. I, did, um, I, I was able to last the 40 days without chocolate and chewing gum. But at the end of the 40 days, I was just just thought it was so pointless. <laughs> what was that for? Why all that sacrificing of saying no to chocolate, especially during Easter? You know there's a lot of good chocolate during Easter. <laughs> and so I just thought that was so pointless. That added nothing to my life, you see, because I was just giving up stuff. I was not pursuing the presence of God anymore. I, wasn't, I was just neglecting something. I wasn't filling my life or my heart with more of God, with more time dedicated to Him. And so it was pointless. So whatever you do in the next few weeks, when we're fasting food, however you choose to fast food, when we're fasting social media, however you choose to do that, whether you're just, you're giving it up completely or whether you're just cutting down on it, whatever you do, I want to encourage you to pursue the presence of God more, to pray more, to read the word more. If, you're, if you live with people that are Christians, do this together. Encourage each other. Be accountable to other people as well. Do this journey together. I said that, that, that fasting is personal and, and that 
When Jesus was saying, don't make a public display about it, he was saying, you know, don't, don't let everybody know because of, of having the intention of trying to impress people. But he wasn't saying by that that we shouldn't fast together. In fact, in the, in the example that we read in Acts, they fasted together and they prayed together. And, and it's good to be accountable to one another. It's good to enter this, this period of prayer together. There's something beautiful when the church unites with one mind and one goal. And so I encourage, if you, I encourage you to do this with other people. If you are married, if you have a family, then use that time that you would be cooking or eating and pray together. Read the word together. Worship God together. We're really believing for a time of just quieting ourselves down so that we can focus on what it means that Jesus died on the cross. What does it mean that, that God gave up his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? What does that mean? How big was the price that God paid for us? What does the resurrection mean for our faith? And we believe that God is going to speak. So I want to call the worship team up. And we're going to worship him. We're going to finish the service this morning by, by declaring our heart's intention to him. Declaring that we just want to know him more. This is not about some religious tradition. This is not about some religious obligation. This is a choice to pursue him with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. God, we want to know you more. God, we want to put down the distractions. We don't want to just be busy, busy, busy every day, God, and neglect your presence. We want to make intentional choices of how we use our time, of how we prioritize our every day so that we can give you the glory, so that we can put you at the center of our lives. And God, we know that the desert is not an easy place. It wasn't for the Israelites. It wasn't for Jesus. He endured so much testing in the desert. But it's there that he prepared for his ministry. It's there that he declared that he would rely fully on the Father. And God, we say, here we are. This time really with arms wide open, with the heart wide open. Test our hearts. See what's inside our hearts, God. Align our will with your will. God, we want to be realigned with you. It's been such a hard year. It's been such a, a hard past few months of living through this pandemic. So many worries, so many concerns, so much hardship, so much difficulty. God, we want to go into the desert and say, we are yours and we fully depend on you. Whatever the world has to offer, it pales in comparison to you. Reveal yourself to us. 
we want to declare our heart's intention this morning to know you more. Amen, God. And I know that fasting is not easy, and this week, especially giving up food, it's not easy, and however you decide to do that. But being in the presence of God, there's nothing that compares to it. And God promises to fill us. God promises that he is the bread of life and that in him we will lack nothing. In fact, Jesus says, when you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added. And so I want to encourage you to join us. And maybe you've never fasted before and maybe this isn't part of, of your walk with Christ. It certainly wasn't so much a part of my life but I want to make this decision. If it's in the Bible and if Jesus expected us to fast, then I want to be obedient. And I want to walk into his presence intentionally and pray for his will in my life. And I encourage you to do the same. Let's worship him. Let's declare that he is worthy of it all.